I figured it out, son. How'd you do it? Oh, I don't know. A little something called my brain is huge. Yeah, man, you got a problem with it? Well, I just... No. Here, talk a little bit, Juice, at a full, full throat. You feel me? You feel me, Connor? Laugh, <laughs> laugh loudly. Ha! <laughs> ha! Like loud, dude. Ha! <laughs> ha! Checking the levels, man. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. So I just had the craziest conversation with Dr. Levering. Yeah. Yeah. And so Christian and I were just finishing breakfast, and Dr. Levering came up and popped a squat. And he's just the dearest guy, like has the biggest heart. And he is, he's been teaching in universities for a long, long time. And one of his desires is to take back Catholic universities. And I guess right now he has, he's got a number of kids, but he's trying to have his oldest one who's about to go to college. He wants him to not shy away from the faith and to not mm-hmm. sort of go through that rebellion period, which ultimately it's not up to him, but you know, we can do everything that we possibly can to, mm-hmm. to make it be so. And he was just so curious about like, what's the best way to get a 17, 18 year old to take his Catholic faith for his own, you know, cause we don't want to force him into it because then he's going to backlash and have these you know, independent rebellion reactions. and Did you give him the link to 3dogsnorth.com? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I should have. Yeah. You know, I may actually give it to him later. I may actually. I said, you need to invite him on campus and he can spend some time with us. You know, we need to talk to him too. We need to try to get his his son to uh, the Focus Conference next year. Okay, too. that's yeah. a good idea. Yep. That's a good idea. Um, but more importantly, 3dogsnorth. Yeah. That, that'll really be the key to his conversion mm-hmm. or just maintaining his faith. Uh, if I've seen it once... I've seen it, haven't seen it once yet, but <laughs> let me tell you, when it happens, yep. it's going to be off the chain. Wildfire. So I don't know, so I was just thinking about like my, the way I came to deepening my faith, being a cradle Catholic, it was always given to me, and then when you get to college, it's all of a sudden, okay, I have this answer, so Catholicism is the end, that's what you rationally work your way up to, okay, but I was given that from birth, I was... I knew that Catholicism was the one true Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. But I had, and I was catechized decently well, but now I had to internally work through in college, being assaulted by all my friends of, why are you Catholic? Why do you believe this? Why do you believe that? Why do you do all these crazy things? So I knew all the answers, but I didn't know sort of what led up to that mm-hmm. internally. I didn't know why I did those things. The answer was I just did them because I knew that they were right. And that's what my parents told me to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was enough for me at that point in time. But I had to work through that point of, okay, why am I actually doing this? Why is this the right answer? So that it became my own faith. And I can remember that was a very real experience for me in college of having to work through that and getting in a lot of arguments that I really didn't know. How to navigate. Yeah. And sort of... <clears throat> The form of argumentation, the apologetics of it, 
that led me to this right answer. I just knew that that was the right answer. So it was a lot of, which was encouraging for me because I had to work because I hated getting beaten arguments or like not knowing stuff, mm-hmm. being dumb. I'm <laughs> a, a very feeling. prideful, vain person. So I didn't like that. So it forced me to, to catechize myself more. Um, but what was it for, I mean, what was it for you guys? Like I didn't grow up like you did with uh, a lot of fervent Catholic practice. Um, you know, my mom was Catholic and she raised us in the church, going to church on Sunday and Sunday school and I got all the sacraments up to confirmation. And, but I think like most suburban public school kids, I just had no sense that this mattered at all. And um, mainly because I hadn't been exposed to anyone, like <clears throat> being Catholic wasn't any different than being anything else, you know. There's nothing distinctive about it except the Mass, which I... Um, I always took pretty seriously, like when I was an altar server, I I took that very seriously, and uh, it was a similar kind of thing, like the feelings were seldom more than just natural human inclinations, like when I was an altar server, I wanted to be good at it, I wanted to know what I was doing, just like if I were playing basketball or something, like I'd want to know how to do it good, Yeah. and so I took it seriously because it was something I could get better at, And um, but other than that... I mean, I didn't know anything about the rosary, didn't go to confession, didn't do any of the the sort of things that make a Catholic a vibrant Catholic, one that practices their faith. And is excited um, about it. And is excited right. about it. And, like, when I was in high school, I went to confession for the first time, like, for real. That wasn't just a kid. Like, okay, all the Sunday school kids are going to stand in line and say their three made-up sins to the Father and get out of there, you know. Um <laughs> That's totally it was like, what it is. It was yeah. like I actually had to do it, and the priest helped me to do it. And it was like this great feeling of freedom afterwards. Um, when I got to college, you know, I, I started reading the Bible in Bible studies with focus and things like that. And I knew, like, deep down I wanted to know more about this because I had found out that there was more to know that was actually cool and not just boring and illegible sort of sentimentalities about faith journeys and, you know, being nice to each other, uh, that there was some truth to the Catholic faith that had something to say about who I was deeply, and I wanted to know it. Um, but I had to, and this is how I, I guess I, my faith became my own, was that I had to discover it like Sherlock Holmes, man. Like, and I was kind of embarrassed that I didn't know anything. Like how to pray the rosary. I'd never heard of the Hail of Holy Queen until I went to this rosary group that they walked around campus starting at 10 at night. They just started at the church and walked around praying the rosary. And I, I wanted to know about the rosary and I heard about the group. So I just went and I like pretended like I knew what I was doing. And I found a sheet that had all the prayers on it. And I remember sitting in my room memorizing them. Uh, like the Hail Holy Queen. And was the that Rosary so you prayer. could be a part of the group? Yeah, because I saw all these other people <laughs> doing it, and I thought, I, I should be able to do this from memory, right. and I just did it. I remember that same thing. I went to the Catholic bookstore in Champaign when I was like a freshman or sophomore and bought like a, it was like a quarter or 50 cents, and it was How to Pray the Rosary, and it had all the prayers, and it was a little pamphlet thing. Yeah. And just taught myself Which is, I mean, it's honestly a shame mm-hmm. that we were college kids, like, how little credit we were given in grade school when everybody else a generation ago was being forced to learn these prayers 
and they decided, oh, we shouldn't force kids to do this stuff. It should be more experiential and blah, blah, blah. Like we should fill in coloring books about Jesus and that will make right. it more real to them. Let's not put too much on them because we don't want them to be overwhelmed or they probably can't handle it. Then I'm 18 and yeah. I feel like I don't have the education of a third grader yet. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I mean, when I was at, at U of I, so I was also not, didn't grow up in a setting like yours where I went, I lived at the fraternity and my sophomore year through some interactions at the Newman Center there, a couple guys in particular that were just living this just authentically Catholic life. They were still really cool dudes, but you could tell there was something different about them than most people around them in their with just they lived they were very joyful, but they were still just very um like human cool guys as well, you know, and so um but they were daily mass goers, they said their rosary every day, etc. And so they just had this relationship with Christ that didn't know what that meant at the time, but I wanted it. And so this guy it was a year older than me at the fraternity started meeting with me um like a night a week and literally our first conversations were like okay what's the difference between the new and old testament right what is um what are the sacraments like just what are they mm-hmm. not even like their meaning of like the significance just of name them. them just can i i don't like how many are there okay i need to like memorize these seven and then i've told you guys this story before but the uh I guess the big, one of the big moments for me was when I got asked to, kind of asked to go on that focus retreat in, in Bloomington. And so I, uh, was, those were the questions I was asking. This retreat was for students leading focus Bible studies. And, uh, my buddy Lee just like thought I should go on this thing for some reason. And so it was, oh man, crazy to think about now. So by the way, I was... I was at this retreat, right? Did we figure that out? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You were. Okay. You definitely were. So y'all were both there, but didn't know each other at all. No, because right? you were a few years behind me. Yeah, yeah. So I was younger, and literally, <laughs> I was like... So you were going there to learn how to lead a Bible study, and you... I was already leading. We oh, were yeah, all no, this, already leading Bible This was study. like, hey, this is the type of retreat. It was like... I'm like a senior. Yeah, hey, like, let's get all our, our Bible study leaders together just to kind of, like, give them a good retreat, like, as a... You know, just as like a thank you for leading these studies. And so they brought in like big speakers, yeah. like t- Dr. Shree was there, okay. et cetera. And you're learning what the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament. Right. <laughs> and so, and my, but my buddy Lee, he was new to focus and he didn't like un- grasp that concept. He right. was just like, no, like I want to disciple this guy. Like we're supposed to go after the loss. You and know? this like, is the retreat. Yeah. And this is the retreat that focus leaders go on. So, and so I think the missionaries like tried to like, lovingly discouraged Lee from inviting me on this thing. I didn't care. I was like, okay, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, long story short, a guy backed out like a day or two before. And so Matt Moeller was a, a missionary at the time. It was before he was the team director. And he called Lee and he was like, hey, you know, a spot opened up. And Matt was very much of that attitude too of like, let's just like, we just need to get people to Christ. You right. know, let's not worry that's like a leader's retreat. Let's mm-hmm. just have him come. So I get in this retreat and, uh, oh my gosh, I mean, it was people just like living the faith, you know? So I'm like, where the H am I right now? <laughs> so, I mean, I hadn't been to confession. I honestly don't even remember if I went back to confession, like for my confirmation. Um, so I literally don't know how long it had been since I had been to confession at this point. And, uh, one of the first nights there, 
at this hotel in Bloomington. They they had adoration. I had no clue what was. I had never witnessed this before. I I had never seen a monstrance before. I had no clue what was happening. But this priest, Father Father Weldon, had just given like this awesome homily to start the retreat, and then he'd given like his vocation story right off the bat. And so I was just like, I never heard a story like his. He was this stud, like Ivy League guy, big time athlete, had been crazy successful, um, was almost engaged, and like gave it all up to be a priest. Yeah. And so I'm like, what is happening? And so then they're they're explaining how the confessions are going to work, and I'm like, you know what? So I'm sitting in adoration. I'm like, I'm just going to go to confession. Like everyone else here is going. I think people will kind of like. They'll know I don't belong if I don't go. So so there was like four or five priests there to hear confessions. And I was like, okay, as long as I don't go to Father Weldon, I'm cool with it. And then I'm certainly not going to go face to face because they were just in rooms in the hotel, you know. So I'm standing in line for confession and I'll never forget this. So I had like a one in five chance of getting Father Weldon, the priest I didn't want to go to. So I was like, that's pretty good. You know, four out of five. I'll just be able to because they were in rooms and you didn't know which exactly. room he was in. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, they were. In, it wasn't like an open room; like you actually went into a room with the priest, so you couldn't see them. So I just like picked a line and uh, was hoping it wasn't him. And then I was like, "But if it is him, I'll just sit behind him. I'll say a few things and like get out of there just to say I did it." So this guy gave an amazing homily, and so you thought he was really cool. Yep. and you wanted him to think you were really cool. Yeah, yeah, Did in you? a lot of ways. Okay, yeah, certainly, and too, like my understanding of. Confession then was like, if he finds out like some of this stuff about me, I mean, there's like, I'm assuming they'll ask me to leave. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this works. You know, like, I don't know what will happen. <laughs> and so, um, I've got to keep it all on the DL. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this has got to be on the DL here, Father. I've right? heard this story before, and it's still hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I'm I'm standing in line. Um, and Angela Teltorst, who is, she's just a, a wonderful person, but she, she comes up, um, and, and by the way, like all the missionaries, all like the students there were just totally awesome to me yeah. like, all weekend. Like they, they knew I was just this <laughs> idiot, you know, like that didn't need to be there. But, um, and Angela was like, so I'm literally the next person in line at this point, just starting to like sweat bullets. Cause I don't know what confession is, you know? And uh, Angela hands me a bottle of water, and she's like, hey, hey, Rob, hand this to Father Weldon um, when you go in there. I, I just remember my heart, like, sinking. I was like, oh, crap. It is so, him. Yeah. So I walk in, and he's got his back, like, to the door. You know, there's a chair behind him and a chair in front of him. And I mean, I'll, I seriously, I took that bottle of water, and I was reaching it over his shoulder, <laughs> like, trying to just, like, drop it on his lap without him seeing me. And, uh, and so he turns around and he like takes a bottle of water, like a normal person would do, you know? And he's like, and he, I mean, he knew my name at that point. He was like, Hey Rob, you know, how's it going? Sit, sit down. And he points to the chair in front of him. I'm like, Oh no, I'm toast. I'm toast. Like, hopefully I can just take the jig is up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they ousted me. Yeah. I'll take, hopefully Lee can get a ride back with somebody else. I'll take the car back. And, uh. And so it was start packing. Yeah, and it was just a moment of grace, man. So like I had some stuff, like I said, that it just had all this 
like I felt so much shame around like a couple things in particular from like my high school days and um, whatever. And it was like, even when I sat down in front of him, like I still don't know exactly what happened, but it just like spewed out of my mouth. And to the point that you were just kind of like at that ledge. And I just remember kind of thinking like, just screw it. And I just, everything like came out. And so I just remember though, he was just smiling the whole time and like nodding his head. And then, so I got done and, um, all his, for the first words out of his mouth, cause again, I don't know what's coming. Like, I don't know if he's just going to come down like hard or what. And, uh, he was just like, Hey man, burden lifted, burden lifted. Like that is gone mm. now. And, uh, and so he, he just talked to me for a few minutes and it was just like incredibly fatherly and, and merciful and just that whole notion that like with God's mercy this is this is gone like through this sacrament um like you are forgiven and absolved of those sins and uh and so he gave me absolution my penance was um to read John chapter 10 the good shepherd and um which is probably honestly it might be the only confess only penance I ever remember having gotten like I always do the penance yeah but like um John chapter 10 um, read that the good shepherd and um and then after that i mean i had a long way to go as far as like really wanting to give my whole life to to christ but like that was it man and so i, I definitely went through a phase when i was learning all this cool stuff when it was like i just want to out argue people and if like they would just know the truth and they would come to the church and i went through that phase after but i guess past that point like i just remember that feeling of walking out of that confessional being like like, I don't know what just happened, but this is amazing because this, like, huge weight off my chest is just gone. Yep. And it's like, I guess ultimately it was always like, okay, if I can get people that, if I can just give what I received, then that's what it's all about. Yeah. So. And I don't think it can be overstated enough because obviously the person has to make um, a mature, rational decision made in free will that this is going to be their faith. And mm-hmm. that, that has to happen sometime. Um, and that's not to understate the role that obviously incredible parenting can, can have. It's a necessity. Or even growing up in that Catholic, that Catholic culture where, yeah, it's not mm-hmm. 100% your own right now, but like what I received did play a huge part for me. Even when I was in college being a total buffoon, I can remember going to bed and doing my night prayers every night, waking up, doing my morning prayers every morning. Yeah. And I didn't really know why. I just knew that that was what I needed to do. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's like from your story, Rob, and even the way you grew up, Mike, and certainly my encounter through confession and the other experiences I had, it was like these experiences, whatever they are, got us to realize that God is on our side. Yeah. And therefore, so are we on his side, you know, and a lot of like the arguing and apologetic stuff is like, when you're a new convert, you feel, you feel like everyone should get this. This is so awesome. Mm -hmm. This is such a better way to live and makes you happy. Unlike the way I was living before. If people just knew this, then they'd be happy and everything would be fine. But, um, they haven't made that leap yet to where now they are on God's side. They're like, they feel the way you do yeah. that this should be defended you know the truth of this should be defended um where like people can look at at the same exact thing some church teaching and there are those 
who don't get it and therefore don't believe it. And then there are those who don't get it, but know that there's an explanation, even though they don't know it. Mm -hmm. And so they're willing to sign on to, I believe that, even though I don't really understand it, because I'm living out of an experience mm -hmm. that God loves me and I'm on his team no matter what, you know, and ultimately we do put our faith in something, whether it's science or whatever, there's all sorts of stuff that we'll never understand yeah. about the world and life, but we just kind of take on faith because we believe in the authority of so-and-so, you know, uh, Stephen Hawking or something. But we, we all met the risen Jesus Christ who saw us, looked at us, and said, you're worthy of a life that's better, yeah. and here you go. Here's some grace to go do that, and come follow me, and it'll be awesome. And we're like, yeah, okay, I believe everything you say now. Yeah. <laughs> and it is, it is always, almost always going to be something that's incredibly scary. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to try and put the water bottle over the priest's shoulder and Just everything. Just take the stupid yeah. bottle. <laughs> Don't look at that. Take the stupid you bottle. You don't even need this water. Go! <laughs> it, it, it's, there's always going to be that fear there. But that's where that taking that leap of faith really comes in. Um, and you know what Christ says? Do not be afraid. Come and follow me. And I think that's what it comes down to. Don't be afraid, man. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Well, there you go. We Just here to help out. Yep. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. sunglasses today hope that's okay it's a new thing it's a contract season for me so i kind of want to like put my own spin on it you're being to... sponsored by imitation oakley um, oh, i'm hoping to break off and kind of do my own show so oh, okay i gotta you know kind of find my own groove here so, uh, it's anyway. called juice bag <laughs> juice bag thoughts i think it'll catch on thoughts and reflections <laughs>